Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. being in unison, everybody singing, nobody keeping your mouth closed, even you that's watching us on Facebook, let's sing this one stanza here, and let us sing in unison, one, two, three. to talk to yourself. You have to prophesy to yourself. You prophesy the word of God over your life and you say victory belongs to me. And you're in the scripture. For the scripture tells us that he forgives all our iniquities and he heals all of our diseases. All means all. I don't care what it is. He heals all of our diseases. The Bible lets us know that he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes. We are healed. And Peter picked it up and Peter said, with his stripe. Singular. This lets us know that Jesus was beat so bad that you couldn't tell where one stripe began and one stripe ends. And you're going to tell me he don't love you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be God. We want to thank God for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We want to thank God for, again, our pastor, Bishop Alfred Jackson, in his absence, our first lady, all of our elders, our ministers, all of you, the people of God, we want to thank God for you this morning. Listen, I had a Jude uh, experience this weekend. <laughs> And what I mean by that, when I sat down to write one thing, the Lord led me into something else. And I ended up being at the computer much longer than I had anticipated because I thought I knew what I was supposed to write. And all of a sudden, the Lord took me another way. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I just thank God for it. Um, our uh, 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 scripture this morning, or the sermon this morning, will come out of the book of Matthew. I'll start there. I'm not going to read all of the text we read this morning in our, our scripture reading, but I'm going to start there and I'm going to build upon that. As I said before, I'm just a messenger. I only deliver the message. I don't create it. Hallelujah. You create messages when you go outside the scripture and you say your own thing. But you bring a message when the Lord has inspired you and he inspired you in the word of God. Amen. All right. Um, I actually turn your Bibles to Matthew, the 23rd chapter, verse 1 through 4 is where I'll be reading. 
Then Jesus spoke to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not according to their works, for they say and do not. But they bind heavy burdens, hard to, be, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Let us pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we come again this morning. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity, for the invitation that you've granted us because of the work of Christ. To be able to come before you, Father, and bring our petitions. To be able to come before you, Lord God, and say thank you. To be able to come before you, O God, and just, Father, glorify your name because you're worthy. Now we ask him, Father, this morning, as I bring this message, deliver this message, that you would anoint me afresh, Lord God, that uh, no one will leave here confused. And uh, Father, we ask the Holy Spirit that you would minister to every heart, that everyone will have a measure of understanding, oh, Father, uh, uh, concerning what we're talking about this morning. Have your way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The topic or the title of this message this morning, and I'm telling you, I had gone to the book of Hebrews, and I was going to talk about how that, how that the people uh, had uh, lost their faith. And, and, and I was going to sort of dissect that, that, that book this morning and talk about how it must, it's important for us to continue in confidence. That's where I thought I was going. And I was building on that confidence. And I was getting scriptures, uh, Brother Mounter, from different places that talked about confidence. We need to hold on to our confidence. And as I sat down, then the Lord began to take me in another direction. This is what he told me. Beware of the dangers of self-righteousness. Beware of the dangers of self-righteousness. In the book of Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 3, uh, chapter, uh, verse 3 through 4, uh, it said, because they were ignorant of God's righteousness, and sought to establish their own righteousness, did not submit themselves to the righteousness of God. God. For Christ is the end of the law to bring righteousness to everyone who believes. Talking about the Jews, because they were ignorant of God's righteousness. Now, these people studied the law. But the apostle Paul said, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that they were ignorant of God's righteousness. And because they were ignorant of God's righteousness, they went about to establish their own righteousness. And I'm going to tell you, that's the uh, default position of all fallen humanity. They go about to establish their own righteousness. And then they, they, they try to hold everyone to their standard. And they themselves, like Jesus said, you yourself can't even uh, uh, handle it. But you want to look at everybody and you want to look at their faults. And Jesus said like this, you got a, 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 a beam in your eye and you're trying to get the moat out of your, out of your brother's eye. Or, 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 or you're trying to get the, the, the little splinter uh, out of your brother's eye. Listen to this. Would you want a doctor operating on you and he got a big beam in his eye? He's going to be one-eyed. And his excuse is going to be because I couldn't see what I was doing. So <laughs> when we as Christians, our issues seem much bigger to us than our neighbor's issue to us. When we are looking at other people and we are magnifying what they are doing, but we are minimizing what we do, that's a problem. Self-righteousness. 
All right. Let's talk about it. Self-righteousness is diametrically opposite of the righteousness of God. Self-righteousness is dangerous mainly because it prevents people from recognizing their spiritual condition. You know when the scribes and Pharisees, when Jesus came on the scene, the scribes and Pharisees were, they were, they were in this number. They were sick and didn't even realize it. Right? But, but, but just think about it. As long as things look good, as long as the bill's being paid and car got gas in it and children are acting right, I think everything is cool. See, because we, we begin to equate God's approval of us with the way things are going in our lives. And that's not always the case. Sometimes you can be being blessed and everything is out of order. When David tried to bring the ark to Zion and didn't do it the right way, the ark ended up at Obed-Edom's house, and that's not where it was supposed to be. But as long as it was at Obed-Edom's house, God blessed Obed-Edom. Even though things were out of order, God blessed obed He blessed him. Right? When Moses went to the rock and God told him the second time, he said, I want you to speak to the rock. Because he had smote it the first time. He said, this time I want you to speak to it. And Moses, in anger, went up to the rock and he smote the rock. And I can imagine if Moses was anything like me, I could see why he was irritated with those people getting on his nerve. But he went up and he struck the rock. And the Bible said water came out. God blessed the people even though Moses was wrong. And then the Lord told Moses, because of what you've done, you won't make it into the promised land. But yet God met the needs of the people. See, your needs can be being met don't mean things are not, things are not out of order, right? They can be out of order. Listen. Okay, self-righteousness has at least one point of, of commonality with hypocrisy. And I'm going to tell you why, why that is. In that it looks at the faults and the shortcomings of others and not their own. Hypocrisy. Trying or uh, pretending to be something that you're not. The scripture definition of a hypocrite is uh, it was not a bad thing uh, in and of itself. It, when Jesus said, this is what you are doing, they would actually put a mask over their face and they would play another role in plays. That person was called a hypocrite, right? But when, it, when, uh, uh, when it's applying to us, it's talking about people who put a mask on. Because they want to appear to be something that they're not. They don't want people. See, listen. It's a saying that I heard, and I don't know who I heard say this, but that thing stuck with me. And it say, the real you is who you are when nobody's looking. That's who you are. Don't fool yourself. See, I can act holy all day in front of you. I can choose my words oh so graciously and I can line them up and, you know. But when I get by myself, what then? When I get around people that I feel comfortable with, what then? You know, know, that's that's, that's who I really am. You know, and I know right now many of you probably going through your mind and say, okay, what do I do? The thing is, is that that's so important because if we are pretending to be someone else, then we are in the role of, of a hypocrite, and we end up uh, 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 drifting into uh, self-righteousness. All right, so self-standards. 
Self-righteous standards are in large part arbitrary. In other words, you can't nail them down because they're self-righteous. They are standards that you have set up. They are arbitrary and are subject to change as needed, making allowances for the weaknesses of the self-righteous individual. In other words, you can't never nail them down because they're always moving the goalposts when it comes to them. But when it comes to someone else, they don't move the goalposts. See, because they're how listen. Why should you hold me to your unrealistic expectations? Right? Yeah, I mean, I'm just being honest. You know, you come in my house and you're looking for faults. Trying to find what I ain't doing right. Trying to find if I'm cleaning up. I've been guilty of it. I've gone in people's bathrooms and because my mama uh, raised me up cleaning, I look for clean. That's me. And I'll be honest, I go in your bathroom, I do look. You know, I want to see how, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to come find faults. I, I just want to see how I look. Maybe I can get some ideas. Maybe I can get some ideas what to do, and I, maybe I can get some ideas what not to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, um, it's arbitrary, it's always moving. Uh, Jesus had strong rebuke for the religious leaders of his day because they sought to interpret God's word. Listen to this. Apart from getting to know the God who gave the word. They wanted to interpret God's word, but they never built a relationship with the God who gave the word. Don't you know that I can read a text that you wrote and you can be in Timbuktu. I read your text and I really enjoy it, but I'm left to interpreting based on the way I interpret it, right? Unless you really spell it out, I take what you said and I give it my own interpretation. Why? Because I'm going to, I'm going to look at what you said and my worldview is going to come into consideration, right? It's the way I was raised, so I'm going to interpret things based on that. Now, what I need to do if I want to know what you really said, if I get to meet you and I get to sit down and talk to you and, and we talk about this text, right? And you tell me, no, this is... This is what I was trying to say, right? That's how you understand the text. Well, let's look at the Bible. I can read the Torah all day long. I can know it front and backwards. But if I don't know the God who gave the Torah, and this is what's going on in the New Testament church, we want to worship God. We want to dance, pray. We want to run. We want to do all of that. But we don't take time to build a relationship with the God who we are worshiping. So what happens if we're not careful? We get on the surface, and I've seen this so many times, especially uh, now this day of social media. You see folks dancing all the time, and, 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 and I'm not against dancing, right? I really perfected mine back in the day. <laughs> but when you see them start doing stuff, <laughs> you see them doing stuff, you know that they're doing to be seen. Right? And folks, oh, go ahead, child. What? This thing has degraded into something that Jesus is at the back door knocking. Let me in because he's no, he's no longer there. Because what we do, we do like Jesus said about these Pharisees, what they do, they do to be seen of men. Right? He even told them when you're giving, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. He said because if you're, if you're giving it to be seen of men, he said you have your reward. You, you, you did it to be seen, and you got your reward. You've been seen. But you know, you, you don't have anything coming from the Lord, right? Anything coming from the Lord. So in a, word, in a way, 
uh, they make allowances for the weakness of the self-righteous individual. Jesus, he uh, rebuked those scribes and Pharisees because they did not know the word of God. Point, uh, uh, case in point, we see the weakness in Israel approach to serving God. They read the word of God but failed to build a relationship. You see, knowing what God said is only one side of a two-sided coin. The other side is knowing why he said it. And this knowledge is gained through building a relationship. And building a relationship just don't happen one night because, you know, I stay on my knees five hours. Okay. Good for you. Well, tomorrow night, you're going to have to stay on there again. Or you're going to have to do it more than one time. It's going to take a while. See, you have to build a habit of uh, spending time with God. Let me tell you what. During this day and time, it, it, you know, it's even more difficult for us. Why? Because we're so distracted. We got so many things distracting us. We got social media. Back in the day, we only had four channels, and they went off around by 12 o'clock, and all you had was that salt and pepper that type thing. That's all you had, right? So, so, but now we got channels that 24 hours a day, and we got hundreds of channels. So we can look at, you know, thing after thing after thing. But let me tell you something. Doing that is not going to build your relationship with God. Looking at, you know, me uh, binging on uh, Lifetime, <laughs> me and my wife were talking one day, because it, it was a, a rainy day or something, and we were on Lifetime, and we knew, noticed that we just going from movie to movie, right up to movie. You know, I said, man, uh, this stuff will catch you in, right? It'll pull you right in there, right? So, so, so the thing is, is that what, uh, how much time do we give to the Lord? Let me tell you, building a relationship, it takes a little challenge. It takes some energy. It takes some energy. Don't you know that if you look at the tabernacle layout, in the Old Testament, everything out there was overlaid with bronze, right? Brass. And bronze in the Bible is indicative of judgment. So you bring, you bring your offering to the priest, right? So it's you. It's all man out there. When you go into the inner court, then now you have the light from the candlestick. You had a table of showbread. You have the, the, the altar of incense. Now it's you and God. Right? Thy light is a lamp unto my feet. Uh, 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 thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Right? So that's when you, you went with. So, so see, getting into the presence of God is a progression. You know, it don't happen. You don't just drop in the presence of God. That don't always happen. It may happen sometimes, but not always. Because John even said, I was in the spirit <laughs> on the Lord's day um, when he saw that vision, right? But then after you leave out of the holy place, let's say you go through the curtains, and which the curtains are no longer there. But now you go into the most holy place, and it's just you and God, right? Everything is God now, right? As a matter of fact, usually you get in there, you can't even um, open your mouth because the glory is so great. You can't even open your mouth. Well, this is, way, uh, 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 this is the way building a relationship with God is. It's going to start when it seems like it's you. It's just you. But what you're doing, you're striving to get into where God blessed him. He's getting all of these accolades. Next thing you know, he's running from Saul. I mean, from, from, from Saul. Right? He got to the point where he said, there's only one step between me and death. Right? He went from being blessed now God is purifying them. Because he didn't want another Saul, so he had to purify David. Right? The Apostle Paul, right? God had to purify him. He was a Pharisee. He knew a lot. 
didn't know the revelation, but when God gave him the revelation, God said, okay, I'm going to give you this revelation, but I got to keep you humble. Right? Do you think God is going to just bless us and bless us and bless us and don't, and, and don't make allowances for us not to get the big head? He's going to keep us from getting out of his will because of the way he's blessing us. He's going to allow something in our lives. The Bible says, if you be without chastisement, then are you bastards and not sons. Every son and, ch- every son and daughter of God is going to be chastised. What parent in here has had a child that you haven't had to chastise one way or the other at some time in their lives? You're going to have to chastise them. And God chastises you and I uh, as well. Because, saints, we don't get the thing right overnight. You know, there is some challenges that we're going to have to face. And there are some times we're going to have to cry because we want want God, but we are struggling. Jesus told those disciples, pray that you enter not into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is going to cry after what it want to cry after. It be because it's accustomed to it. And initially, the voice of the flesh is so loud because you're so used to hearing it. The spirit is not going to yell. He's going to speak. But what you got to do is start hushing your flesh. You got to start quieting your flesh. How do you quiet? <laughs> Making it do what you want it to do. Paul said that I keep under my flesh and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself would be disqualified. You got to keep under your flesh. Oh, Lord, do something about my flesh. No, Lord, say so you do it. You do something about your flesh because he's given us the power to do it. Don't we say that I'm crucified with Christ? Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by the faith of God, who, uh, a faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So now we're saying that Christ is living in us, right? That's what we say. We say that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, when you said all that, now you're saying that I have the power to keep under my flesh and bring it into something. I have the power. What will you do about it? How do it look? You having the authority and the power to do it, but you letting that which, is, which don't have the authority and the power rule you. Right? The Bible tells us that our flesh should no longer have dominion over us. No longer. All right, now, that wasn't in this here. That was, that was just the Lord here. Now, Jesus corrects many misunderstandings the leaders of Israel had. One in particular was the truth about the Sabbath. Now, when we say they were adding things to Scripture, Right? Because they were super spiritual. You know you're in trouble when you get more spiritual than Jesus. That's when you're in trouble. Right? <laughs> the scribes and Pharisees had become so stringent, so unpliable. In other words, they wouldn't bend. They had no bending in them whatsoever. They lacked mercy and compassion. In Matthew's 12th chapter, uh, uh, starting at the latter part of ninth, uh, of the ninth verse, down to verse 14, it says, the leaders watched Jesus if he would heal on the Sabbath. This is a heal. You don't see nowhere in the Mosaic law where it says that you should not heal on the Sabbath. You don't even see that. But they added it, right? 
Because what they did, they call themselves putting what they call protections around the law. If we put these protections around the law, they will never break the law. So they put these protections around it, right? They thought. And Jesus had problems with those protections that they put around it, right? Now, um, now that's, they watched Jesus, whether he would heal on the Sabbath. It says, and he went into the synagogue. And a man with a shivered hand uh, was there looking for, uh, and, and they were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. They asked him, is it lawful? They asked him because they knew that he would probably do it, right? Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? Didn't realize who they were talking to because they didn't realize who, were, um, who was in their presence. He said to them, if any, if any of you um, has a sheep, and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? Y'all know they would. If your, if your sheep got, you know, if you're a farmer, right, or you're a sheep herd or whatever, shepherd, and your sheep fall into the ditch on the Sabbath, you're going to get it out, right? Now, how much more valuable is this man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do, to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. So he stressed it out, and it was completely restored. Notice that word restored. Just as sound as the other, but the, Pharisees, the scribes and Pharisees uh, went out, and they plotted how they may kill him. I love that word restored, because restored means that it wasn't always like that. This man had something that happened that uh, made his hand shrivel up. Think about what happened. Let's just dissect this for a second. If his hand is shriveled up, then that's going to hinder what he can do. He can't go out and make a living for his family, right? He can't, I mean, whatever would take two hands to do, he's going to be challenged, right? It seems like the mercy and grace would say, praise God, I know it's the Sabbath, but this man, ooh, thank you, Jesus, for healing this man. But they were so hard and stringent. This is what self-righteousness do. Self-righteousness would make you so hard and so stringent that you don't have mercy for anybody. If anybody, they should have mercy for anybody, it should have been this man whose hands are stripped up. But they were so concerned about a day. Not realizing, listen, when you have a relationship with the God who gave the scriptures, you will realize the way the, uh, the writer of Hebrews put it. He talked about there remains a rest to the people of God. The Sabbath was more than just a day. Stop it. You got whole religions based on keeping the Sabbath. When that's not what God meant, the Sabbath is a state that we enter in. Once we believe God and we see from our own works and we trust the works of God, the finished work he did in Christ Jesus, that's the Sabbath, right? But we want to make it a day. Don't you know you can keep the Sabbath and still be the biggest devil in the world? You can be very good about keeping the Sabbath. Cut off the TV. Don't eat pork. I don't know how you do it. But however you want to do it, you know, all of this here is still be a demon. Proof. A case in point, look at some of these Pharisees. They kept the Sabbath. Some of the biggest devils you ever want to meet. How you know, Elder? Well, when it came down, they took Jesus to power. And when Pilate wanted to release him, they chose Barabbas instead of Jesus. Well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? Crucify him. Why? What have he done? And then they start trying to say, well, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, he called himself a king. And all this. And Pilate said, I found no fault in this man. 
See, see, see what self-righteousness does? It will crucify you. It will call for your neck. Self-righteousness will call for your neck. They will want you destroyed one way or another. If nothing else, they will destroy your reputation. Self-righteousness will. When you are self-righteous, and you see everybody false but yours, then you're going to magnify what they do. And you're going to say, see, that's why I say that you got a big, big, big beam in your own eye. Because you try to magnify other people's issues when what ought to be magnified is your issue. Oh, my God. As you get close to God, your imperfections ought to be showing. You are in the light of God himself. Your imperfections ought to be showing, and that ought to make you more humble to God. How can you be proud and boastful when you see your imperfections? But you look away from yourself and you look at others because then that makes you feel better about yourself when you can low-rate others. But they plotted to see, you know, they wanted to know how they could kill Jesus. Healing a man on the Sabbath, right? You want to know how you can kill him. We won't have time to elaborate, but let me just point out witnesses that I can call to prove my point. In John, the fifth chapter, verse 8 through 16, where we are told that a man was there who had been bedridden for 38 years. Self-righteous leaders did not like that Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath. This man been, been, at, been, been in that situation 38 years, and you get mad because he's tearing his, his bed on the Sabbath. You, do you too, you too, you're too stringent to rejoice that this man has been healed, that this man has been healed. You're too stringent. You're too self-righteous to rejoice. But you get mad at Jesus because the man, you, you, you don't want to carry your bed on the Sabbath. Listen, saints, if we, if we look at this, we just see how self-righteousness can be so visceral. Let's go to John, the seventh chapter. Okay, okay let, let, let's talk about this. In John 9, 9, 9 chapter, uh, verse 9, according to John, the man born blind, born blind, had never seen his life, born that way. And then their belief was, Lord, you know, either he sinned or his mama sinned. Mama, when she pregnant, she must have sinned. Or the baby, baby, how can the baby sin? <laughs> wow. They asked Jesus, Lord, who sinned, this man or his mother? They were born blind, right? But when Jesus healed this man, instead of them being mad, just being amazed by Jesus taking, taking dirt and mixing it with spitter and put it on the man's eye, and, and then told the man to go to the pool of Siloam and come back. And the man came back seeing. Seems like that's enough to make you say, oh, my God. Nicodemus saw it. Because Nicodemus came to Jesus that night and said, we see what you're doing. And no man could do what you're doing except God be with him. Right? He knew that it was something about this man. Right? Because this man was, nobody has ever opened the eyes of the blind. Elijah, Elijah, nobody had, Moses, nobody had ever opened the eyes of the blind. And that was one of the signs of the Messiah. He will open the eyes of the blind, but they were so ditched because of self-righteousness that they didn't even see it. 
And then Nicodemus come and when he came to Jesus, he said, we know. So it's more than him. Among the Pharisees, more than him. That knew that it was something about Jesus. Well, one of the men was Joseph of Amathea. At the end, Joseph came and he asked for Jesus' body. Don't you know that when you can see, you can see things done so bad that make you come out of your closet and you say, okay, this is enough. Joseph came out and asked for Jesus' body, took it down and put some spices on it, not as much as they wanted to put on because the Sabbath was coming. They wrapped them up and they put them in his tomb. You can see things done. So what reason did you have to kill this innocent man? What reason can you concoct? There was no reason, so you manufacture a reason. You come up with a reason. You look for faults because it makes you feel better. Get yourself together. Because God is not going to look over your issues. You may look over them, but he won't. He's given you room to repent. The Bible said that he told the church of uh, Thyatira, I think it was, talked about you are, you are allowing that woman Jezebel who called herself a prophet. Listen to what he said. I've given her room to repent. Even that person who uh, Jesus called Jezebel, he said, I've given her room to repent. Don't you know that even when you're self-righteous, God give you room to repent? He give you room to get it right. John 7, 22. Uh, Moses gave you circumcision because this, they also talk about circumcision, right? They wanted everybody to be circumcised. If you wasn't circumcised, then you were not. And just right. Even if you accepted the faith of the uh, Israelites, they wanted you to be circumcised. Well, you had people that they called God-fearers who did not want to be circumcised, but they believed in the God of the Jews. One was Cornelius. Cornelius was a God-fearer. That's why he was praying, but he did not want to be circumcised, right? And so uh, what happened was when Paul stopped preaching, and well, in the New Testament, the Lord sent Peter, and Peter had to go into, into Cornelius' house, uh, uh, into this uncircumcised man, and he, he went into his house, but then he realized this man being uncircumcised because Peter had said, when they said, what should we do that we may, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, be saved? And uh, Peter said, uh, repent. And believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He go to Cornelius' house, and God reversed it. He's going to show you, you're not going to put him in a box. He go down while he's talking to Cornelius. Cornelius had not repented yet, okay? <laughs> he goes to Cornelius, and while he's talking, the Holy Spirit falls. That was the Pentecost for the Gentiles, Right? That's when, you know, then Peter saw that it happened to the Gentiles like it happened to the Jews. So that's how he realized. That's, and let me, oh, footnote. That's going to tell you in the 15th chapter, tell you why that God allowed it to happen. Because when they went to Jerusalem to talk about do they need to be circumcised, do the Gentiles need to keep the law, Peter uh, uh, recounted what happened and he showed them, told them, he hadn't repented. He hadn't done anything. And while I was talking, the Holy Spirit failed. So God is not going to hold them uh, 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 to keeping the law of Moses to be justified like he kept us. And now we don't even have to do it. But uh, 
this is why God allowed that to happen, right? Or this is one reason. Now, they wanted Peter to be circumcised. They went about talking about being circumcised. But don't you know circumcision was not, it was of the law of Moses, but before it was of the law of Moses, it was of the fathers. The Lord told Abraham, I'm going I'm to uh, uh, cut this, uh, this covenant with you and, 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 and to your, with your descendants, and I want you to be circumcised. And I'm paraphrasing here. I want you to be circumcised. So Abraham circumcised himself, Ishmael, and everybody else that, that belonged to him, right? He circumcised. So uh, circumcision uh, began with the fathers. Well, Moses, uh, he made uh, a circumcision was a part of the Mosaic law. The child that was born, the male child that was born, eight days later that child was, uh, was to be circumcised. Sometime that eighth day fell on the Sabbath. And they still circumcised. Jesus just showed them God desired mercy more than sacrifice. As a matter of fact, one time he told them, but go learn what this means. I desire mercy more than, uh, more than sacrifice. And this came from the book of Michael. Jesus quoted that. He said, go learn what this means. In other words, go learn what this means. These are the teachers that read Moses, you know, every Sabbath. But he told them, go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. So in other words, God allowed, even though that eighth day fell on the Sabbath, he allowed them to circumcise that child so that that child could be circumcised on the eighth day. But they were doing it and probably didn't realize what they were doing, Right? According to Apostle Paul, they placed more confidence in the outward signs, talking about the Jews, uh, of the covenant uh, with God, uh, than the inward. Remember, after a while, the Lord told them they need to be circumcised in the heart. You know, uh, uh, circumcise your heart. Because they were uh, circumcised and they, you know, they boast about that. I'm in covenant with God. But then you don't get to, you're not building a relationship with the God of the covenant. And so you try to interpret what he said, and, that, and you have him talk with him, right? I need to talk with you. Somebody come and say, Elder Bailey said, that's fine and well, but I'm, uh, uh, and, and I may start it, but then I'm going to call her and say, listen, such and such said such and such. And she'll say, oh, no, they took that the wrong way. Y'all know that happens, right? Yeah. Took it the wrong way. Because a lot of times you're not there to be able to see the emotions that they set it in. You're not able to be in the context they set it in. There's a car can be going down the street, and I say, boy, that's, ooh, that's sweet. Now, you being here with me, you see the context, and you say, oh, he's talking about that car. But if someone read later on, and Warren said, ooh, that's sweet. Ooh, wonder what he was talking about. And then you put your own thing to, oh, he was talking about that woman. Oh, he was talking about that piece of pie. Oh, he was talking about that tea. You know what I'm saying? You see how your, if, if you don't get to know God, interpreting God's word is going to be impossible, and you're going to uh, 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 drift over into self-righteousness because you build your own standard then, see? Now, I'm going to tell you, this is, this is what the Lord led me to. I was at the computer, and he just, I, I just stopped going his way, and I, I just went, you know, thank God you don't have to erase with a, uh, uh, erase anymore. I just... Just, just highlight it and hit delete. <laughs> all this, you know, I had been at the computer. I was missing a football game. I was at the computer, right? And all of a sudden, the Lord just took me another way, okay? So, <laughs> okay. In essence, 
To them, the new covenant was, was, was pretty much the same. Now, I'm talking about to the Judaizers, to self-righteous people. And you hear this coming through a lot of these, what we call bricks. And you all that's been in Bible study, you know, we're talking about bricks, right? Uh, the, uh, when they're talking about the uh, uh, black identity uh, cults, right? These here. Uh, they, uh, they, they, to them, this is what's going on. In essence, to them, the new covenant was pretty much the same, but with Christ added. We still got to keep the law. Christ died. And he died so that we ain't got to present the sacrifices anymore. That's all you give up? He died so you don't have to present the sacrifices anymore. See, that's why you're going to end up creating your own standard because you're missing a whole thing. This is why uh, the apostle told the, 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 the church, uh, the, the uh, 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 saints in that church that they wrote the epistle of Hebrews 2. He said, in the time that you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. The, 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 the uh, 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 elementary, the first principles of the Word of God. So, see, if you don't get the first principles down, how will you be able to build upon it? How can I build a house if I don't put the foundation down? If I don't build a foundation, I shouldn't even worry about the roof. You got some people worried about the roof, or frightened about the roof, but they haven't even laid the foundation yet. Because you don't want to sit down in the way. You don't want to listen to anybody. You don't want to attend Bible study. You say, I can learn it on my own. But God never created us as an island. He created us to be in a community of people. That's why Paul said we are the body of Christ and members in particular. God has made each of us have a part in the body of Christ. And we are to be learning from one another. Don't you know that when two people start talking about Christ, the Bible said the Lord will come in. In the book of Malachi, it said when they began to speak of the, of the Lord, say the Lord uh, made note that the fact they was talking about him, but they were talking good. Talking about those who were talking good about the Lord. In the 24th chapter of Luke, it said when those two, uh, 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 the, those two disciples were on the road of Emmaus, the Bible said as they were talking, Jesus himself came in the midst of them. Jesus himself. Now, don't you know when you get into when you get with a brother and sister and y'all not talking foolish, you don't have to just get so 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 deep. You can be talking about Dallas Cowboy. Uh, but when you're talking the word of God, don't you know that Jesus himself will come into the midst? The Bible said that he inhabits the praises of the people. Now we we just say that's the church. Because we lifting up Jesus, that is, that's part of it. But don't you know, it's when you're talking about him, when you're giving him, see, praise means to speak well of. Really, it means to speak well of. When you give him glory, it means to speak well of, right? So when we are speaking well of him, we're giving him glory, and he, he feels that atmosphere. If you want God to come in, you know, to, to, to manifest himself to you, start talking about him. Call that friend that you can talk about the Lord with, right? And as you're talking, then Jesus himself, right? Then you will get to know him. You don't have to build your own uh, standards. So they say that they, to them the new covenant was the uh, was, 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 was same as the old, just Jesus added. Uh, it is easy to see the crucifixion of Christ as replacing the uh, 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 sacrificial system and that as far as many believers go. That's as far as many believers go. From this point, it's what I can do to gain God's approval. That's when we start doing things because we're trying to get God's attention, right? 
We think our pastor make God have to listen to us. No, your pastor gets you in, in, in place where God does listen to you. Don't you know it's all about us getting into the right place? Right? Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Right? It's about us. So, in other words, what we have to do is get into the right place. But uh, so, the, 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 uh, just saying that Jesus uh, feel uh, the uh, sacrificial system is not enough. From this point, it's all about what I can do, for, uh, what, what I can do to, uh, uh, to gain God's approval. What can I do to get, uh, get what I want from God? Don't you know even you can give in the wrong attitude? And a lot of times, uh, it's our attitude that affects our giving. Our attitude about God, a lot of times we're angry with God. A lot of times we're mad at God. A lot of times, you know, I mean, and, we, and, and, and that happens. You know, you, you get upset with God. And Lord, why is this happening to me, right? But don't you know that when you're giving, it should not be out of a bad, nasty attitude. Because the pastor told me to give. I don't really want to give, but if I don't give, they're going to see I ain't gave. No, no, no. Listen, since the fall of humanity, by default, Man, in some measure, uh, is self-righteous. In some measure, every man, because of the fall, let me tell you why I say that. When Adam fell, the Bible said they realized they were naked and they hid themselves. Well, what happened? Now, I don't know if him and Eve were hiding together or they hiding. They might have been, didn't want to see each other. I don't know what it was. I wasn't there. But I do know this happens in, in, in the passage. The Bible says, God came, Adam, where are you? And Adam said, well, I was hiding myself. I'm paraphrasing it. I was naked and, you know, I was hiding myself, right? That means that he had become selfish. He's seen himself. So now he's selfish by default because he fall, he fall, he fallen. He was selfish as well. But don't you know over 6,000 years, roughly, that that selfishness has really be able, been able to permeate through the human race. We come out of the room selfish. <laughs> my little grandbaby, my little grandbaby, her little sister, uh, we had him in, her little sister just as sweet as she can be, but my grandbaby is sweet as well, but she went to get something from her little sister. And we had never seen a little sister do this. Her little sister started hitting at her. Get away from me. You know. Little sisters don't usually do that. But you're trying to get what I'm eating. Get away from me. Selfish. I'm just being like, I mean, you know what I'm saying? So we as parents, we have to direct it. Because we're going to see it, right? A lot of times we see us. You know, because sometimes our selfishness is worse than other people. You might say they come in degrees. Some people are more selfish than others. You don't want to do anything for anybody else but yourself. Worrying about yourself. I was talking to a brother, and he was talking about, you know, we were talking politics, and he was talking about when Ford was in office. Oh, and he, uh, he's a businessman. He said, I know, all I know is I didn't have to pay as many taxes. And, 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 and you know, when Ford was in office, I said, hold up, bro, hold up, hold up, hold, hold, hold. Now, he's a Christian guy. I say, so you are more concerned about what you were able to get than not concerned about your brother and sister. See how that can make you be, get selfish? Because all of a sudden, you're getting these things in, and they're not getting it. Get your own. 
That's not the way the body of Christ is supposed to be. We're supposed to be helping each other, but you can become self-righteous. You become selfish, right? Or you, 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 you build upon that selfishness that's in us, right? Instead of making it quiet down. The Bible says that the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another. So selfishness is going to raise the ugly head in us. But it's up to us. Now listen to this. Jesus is the standard. There are no equals, no greater. Everyone else is less than. Jesus is, a, is a right, the righteousness of God personified. Jesus is the righteousness of God personified. Uh, one thing I love, the last verse of chapter 7 of Romans, Paul had talked about that dilemma that that person was in and said, when I would do good, evil is present. You know. He said, then he get down there and said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who? Not what? Who should deliver me? See, a lot of us, we're looking for the what's. We're looking for money to do it, and money can't do it. See, the righteousness of God is a person, and that person is going to do it. I thank my God through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the Lord of the for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has given me uh, 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 liberty or freedom from the law of sin and death. Right? What happens then is that it's a person is not a thing. This is why I'm talking about building a relationship with them. You have to build a relationship because it's not a thing. It's a person. Right? Righteousness, righteousness extended to a fallen humanity is a person. He came to the, to the earth. Jesus is the standard. There, like I said, there are no equals. There are no greater than. Everybody else is less than. Jesus, Jesus uh, uh, he told his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, he is righteousness personified. That's in John 14, 9. When Paul states that Christ is the end of the law, he means that Jesus coming and sacrificial death fulfilled the requirements of the law and brought about a new covenant between God and humanity. He's the mediator of the new covenant. The law with its exhaustive demands and regulations could not bring about salvation or righteousness on its own. Instead, it functioned as a tutor or a custodian highlighting the need for a savior, uh, a, a savior, uh, you know, pointing the people toward Christ. That's what the law was to do. It was to get us to the old wretched man that I am. See, not men, self-righteous people don't get to that state. They don't, they don't get to the old wretched man that I am. See, because you got to want to please God. See, when you are born again, then you want to please God. And you don't want, you find yourself not doing what you don't want to do, but that bothers you. But you have to get to that old wretched man that I am. How many of us have gotten to that place where we say, oh, wretched man that I am? How many of us have gotten to the place where we mourn over our shortcomings? I can't look at yours because I'm too busy crying about mine. My shortcomings. I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, only in him. But in and of myself, as I walk these dusty roads, uh, you know, down here on the earth, I'm telling you, I have issues. 
that I have to deal with every day. And I've gotten uh, uh, like the Apostle Paul. Now I glory. I thank God for it because I realize it's doing something for me that could not have been done unless God allowed me to go through it. When you go through it and you come out of it, you say, Lord, okay, I thank you, Jesus. I didn't like it, but who thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, so instead of the, uh, 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 we're supposed to be pointed to Christ, and, uh, uh, instead of realizing there that they were depleted and they had an uh, uh, in inability to keep the law, this is what we're supposed to, to, to show you, your depletion and your inability to keep it. They became callous and lacked the ability to feel compassion or show mercy. How I many do you know people like that? That are so stringent. They don't have compassion and they're not able to show mercy. Sacrificing mercy on the altar of selfishness. Instead of giving mercy, you sacrifice it on your altar of selfishness. Because of the callousness that has grown, Paul, uh, 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 not Paul, let me say this, the writer of Hebrews said that they have become dull of hearing. Isaiah pronounced a prophecy, a curse on the children of Israel, and, 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 and he say in the sixth chapter, he said, you know, what should I say? The Lord said, go tell this people, be ever hearing and not hear, be ever seeing and not see. Because your, 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 your ears have become dull, right? He said this to Israel. Why? Because Israel had forsaken God. There is a psalm in Psalm 15. It talks about people worshiping idols. It says, they that worship them are like unto them. Dumb idols. Can't hear. When we set up idols in our hearts, as Ezekiel, I think the 12th chapter says, you set up idols in your heart, then the Bible says you become that you become like that thing you're worshiping. Don't you know when we create a God that that God usually is like us? That God allow us because it's our weakness, but He don't allow this. So we create a God like us. But the thing about that, after the children of Israel created that 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 calf, and they said, you know, uh, take us back to Egypt. Right, and, and, and Aaron created the calf. After that, the Lord began to call him stiff neck. Stiff neck, why? Because you are like that idol. Stiff neck. You don't listen. Right? So what happens is that we take what God has given us through Christ, and we create our own standard. We, we're, not, we're not in a different than the scribes and Pharisees. We start adding things. We add things. It's not in there, but it sounds good, right? Huh? You can't watch such and such on TV. Says who? Don't. Where's the Holy Spirit? Shouldn't the Holy Spirit tell me not to watch this? Have we put the Holy Spirit on? Have we sent him? To, have we sent him on vacation? Matter of fact, I don't think he's going on vacation. But to us, because we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Right? As a child, I should have to guide you. I should have to direct you. But there comes a time when now you got to start making your own decisions. Right? Don't you know that as we grow in Christ, we build a relationship with Christ, that the Holy Spirit tells us what not to watch. The Holy Spirit tells us what to wear, what not to wear. If you wear something that's too tight, the Holy Spirit tells you that's too tight. 
the Holy Spirit that we have not given the Holy Spirit to just do. We don't let the Holy Spirit do what he do. Because we think we have to control people. Right? But then, too, if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to do what he do, then what happens? We begin to uh, set up our own self-righteous standard that everybody is to abide by because that's the way I see it. That's the way I interpret it. I haven't talked to the author, but that's the way I interpret it. Instead, it functioned as a tutor, a custodian, highlighting the need, our need to bring us to Christ. Uh, some people are hardened through their attempts to keep the righteous demands of the law instead of realizing that there are, they are depleted, right? They don't have the ability to be able to keep it. The gospel account infers that a relationship with God, that their relationship with God was anemic at best. Anemic means that you're weak and feeble because of something going on, something going on with your blood, right? And you're weak and anemic. Well, their, 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 their relationship with God was anemic. They had a relationship with God, but let, let me tell you something here. And, I, and I, I'm almost done. Paul said that the time will come in the last days when men will be lovers of themselves more than. Let's start right there. They will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. That means that they will say they love God, but they love this more than they love of God. Huh? You have put God on the back burner because of that thing that you love. Let's see, John 10, chapter 10, verse 10 through 11. And he was in the world, and the world was, uh, and the world was made by him, yet the world did not know him. And his God, the covenant God, who had made covenant with them, who had come in the flesh, he was in their presence, and they didn't realize that he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world did not know him. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. The God who gave the Torah, the God who gave the prophets, the God who gave the writings, they did not know him. They've been reading what he wrote or what he said, but they don't know him. Why? Because they didn't build a relationship with him. And that made themselves righteous. You, you erect your own standard. And you yourself can't even abide by it. Ooh. The righteousness apart from keeping the law was and is God's means of eliminating bragging and boasting in humanity at all. Because it's not based on what I do or what I can do or can't do. It's based on my faith in Christ Jesus. That eliminates boasting. No room to boast. Because he did it. Right? So I got no room to boast. See, that lets you know what's your view of Christ. Do you just see him as fulfilling the sacrificial system or do you see him in your life? Paul said the mystery that God had proclaimed among the Gentiles is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, if we boast that Christ is in us, well, should we be able to behave as he behaved? I'm not talking about overnight. But over the period of time, our attitude Oh, the ways that we behave, the ways that we act should show people Jesus. I remember reading a book, and Charles Spurgeon said this. Any person that calls themselves a Christian 
and don't love souls, I wonder if they are saved. Any person calling themselves a Christian and don't love souls, I wonder if they're even saved. Let me tell you why that is the case. Because the Bible said, remember I said, God so loved the world that he gave. So God did something about it. Okay, through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus perfectly fulfilled the righteous standards of the law. He lived a, a sinless and perfectly obedient uh, uh, life, uh, sinless and perfectly obedient uh, to God's command. He offered himself as the ultimate sacrifice for forgiveness of sins for all, of all humanity. By embracing Jesus through faith, the believer has the righteousness of God imputed or credit, uh, or credit to their account. They are justified before God based on the merits of Christ alone. The law's purpose was to reveal humanity's inability to keep its demand perfectly and to lead people to recognize their need for a savior. It must be reiterated here that Christ did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill his demand. We strongly disagree with antinomianism. We disagree with tell you what I'm talking about. Nomus in scripture is the law. Antinomianism uh, is you don't believe that you have to keep the law now. And many Christians are like that. Let me tell you something. And we're not going to have time to go into it. The Mosaic law was put on the side of the altar. Sorry? The Ten Commandments were put in the ark. There was a difference. The Mosaic law was based on those ten words that they are called. It was based on that. Our lives should be based on those ten words. We should not have no other God before us. We, you know, we had an under Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is when we cease to do our own thing, right? Uh, 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 you know, we ought to love our neighbor. We shouldn't steal. We should not kill our neighbor. All of these things you will probably see in one way or another in any culture, even though they don't know God. Right? So Moses built everything upon this here. So the, 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 the law of God is now in us, and we don't have to try to keep the Mosaic law. We just have to, uh, because the law is now in me, all I got to do now is let the Holy Spirit live his life through me. But don't you know it takes time for the flesh to die? And as the flesh die, you're going to make mistakes. Because it's not going to die, you know, without kicking and screaming. Right? And then every now and then, it's going to get a resurrection. <laughs> it's going to come up, you know, simply because the flesh. But listen, we have to learn to master the flesh and don't let the flesh master us. Right? Okay. So, in fact, uh, it is a fact that not only did Jesus die for us, but he had to first live for us. He, um, uh, he as, uh, uh, as it had been reiterated earlier, uh, did uh, what no other human could do. He fulfilled the righteousness for requirements of God's divine standard. What Jesus, was, uh, what Jesus did was a credit to our account to every believer. First Corinthians 1.30 tells us that Christ is the righteousness from God. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it tells us God made him Christ, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
In Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by the faith of God. Who lo- I live by the faith of God. I look to Jesus and not to myself, right? In Colossians 12.25-27, Paul wrote, and I have, be- uh, and I have become uh, his servant by the commission of God, uh, gave men to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now I said this earlier, the mystery that has been kept are hidden from all ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles this glorious riches of this ministry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. All of this uh, is, uh, uh, has put humanity, uh, is to put humanity out of the tentacles, out of the tentacles reach of self-righteousness. Right? That, that, it's to put us out of the reach of self-righteousness. Jeremiah 9.24, also in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 17, uh, it says, But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, and I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth, not the God who's going to knock you off if you don't keep the, uh, uh, do everything right. For in these things do I delight. In closing, I would like to uh, do a comparison in the contrast of self-righteousness and the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Listen, self-righteousness causes one to drift into cynicism. In other words, I become cynical. In other words, I'm uh, sent everything negative. You know, uh, uh, when, I, when I speak to you, you can tell I'm just negative. Uh, uh, my outlook of life is negative. Everything is negative. You know, uh, uh, what, what, what say that um, vanity, vanity, <laughs> all is vanity, right? Now, the righteousness of God through Christ leads us to assurance. We have assurance in Him through the righteousness of God. It don't happen overnight. It comes through relationship. Self righteousness leads to artificial joy, joy that we muster up because. I got that car I wanted. I got that, 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 that raise I wanted. I got that position. I'm joyful. Thank you, Jesus. And as soon as something hit, right? But, but, but uh, uh, the righteousness of God through Christ leads us to true joy. Even when things are not going right, I'm joyful, right? Because I know him who I have believed. Self-righteousness tends to lead to our melancholic attitude toward the things of God. Melancholic. In other words, I'm just displeased. I'm, 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 I'm just not doing it out of the energy. You know, I don't have any energy. To, no matter, I don't have no passion for it. I'm just doing it, you know, out of, you know, because I've been assigned the, the, the position, and I'm just doing it out of that. I'm not doing it because I love God. I'm just doing it because I've been appointed. But the righteousness of God through Christ leads one to be contented with God. I'm contented with God. And whatever I do, I do it because I love him. That don't happen overnight. That comes through relationship. Paul said that we glory in our tribulation, knowing the tribulation work of patience, with patience work of experience, experience work of hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is poured abroad in our heart. Who poured it? The Holy Spirit. But he's pouring it as we go through things. And as we go through things, we come through them. 
as we come through them then, the love of God, huh? because God has stripped some of that stuff off of us that he can't use. Our self-righteous attitude, he has stripped it from us because he can't use that. Hallelujah. All right, come on. Oh, you can stand. Hallelujah. You can go ahead and stand. Uh, we're going to, uh, once we're off air, uh, we will actually just stay for a couple of minutes because we have a special prayer. We want to pray. We, want to, we don't want to pray it on the air. But uh, if we have anyone that has been listening or anyone who will listen uh, to this later on, and you want to give your life to Christ, we want to help lead you to Christ. And we want to uh, uh, just invite you to join us every weekend. We, we, we want you to come into the sanctuary if you can. But if you can't, we are now having people that want to become members online. Uh, you know, if you want to do that, please let us know. But if you don't know Christ, let us lead you to Christ. Come on, uh, let's, let's pray. And ask you to repeat with me. Lord God, I believe that Christ died for my sins. I believe that you sent him into the world, that the world may live through him. Father, I know that in and of myself, I don't have the ability to please you, but you have sent Christ, and he's done it in my place. I put my faith in him. I believe he died. He bore my sins in his body on the tree. His blood purchased me, oh God, from sin. So now, Father, I ask that you would receive me into your family. I confess that Jesus is Lord. And Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would embrace everyone who receives you today. All the babies, Lord God, that you would embrace them that you will lead and guide them, oh God, as you did all of us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We have anybody who have struggled in your life. We all have. But you need someone to pray with you today. We're going to pray with you, asking God to strengthen you, though that you need strength for the week or you know what you have to face this week. We're asking God, blessing upon your life. Let's pray. Father God, it's in Jesus' name that we pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. Father, those who have received you as Lord and Savior, those of you, us, Lord God, who love you, but we have issues and we realize that we have issues. We ask, oh God, that you will strengthen everyone under the sound of my voice. God, protect us from becoming cynical. Keep us, oh God, from becoming disenfranchised. Oh, keep us, oh God, from, be, uh, from getting to the place where we don't love you in our hearts as we say with our mouths. Strengthen everyone. Father, those that are sick, we pray for them today. We ask your healing upon their bodies. You bore their sickness in your body on the tree. They have a right to healing. We pray for them today. In Jesus' name. Every family under the, uh, under the sound of my voice, we pray for them today. That you will strengthen them, O oh God. 
bring them together all the more. Say to the Lord, rebuke you. The hand of God is against you. Take your hands off of these people. These are not yours. Jesus have died for them. Take your hands off of them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well and give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.